0: So this is a perfect segue for the next little topic, which is really not so little at all, which has to do with how do we bring these practices into our life? You know? How do we actually bridge the in here to the out there you know, with the enormousness of complexity and time constraints, and deadlines, expectations... That many people have and yet I think what we just experienced for me is a very clear bridge that when we are connected inwardly when we're feeling our own body when we attention is resting in our own core that's the bridge just like when we feel ourselves as body as mountain and breath as wind then there's a sense of the spaciousness of the sky Now it doesn't mean that there's a less amount of things to do or the deadlines diminish or the expectations diminish but what can mean is that we are relating to them in a less identified way. So they come and that we are responding to them but not identifying with what is arising as who we are. So there's emails and Laundry and dishes and gas stations and snow to shovel. And yet all of that arises in the present moment, just one thing at a time, just this thing at a time, just what's happening right now, what's happening right now. And we get fragile and our nerves fray and we get hungry and crabby and it's just what's happening right now. And so what's needed is to know that we are able to respond to the situation. And so when we're hungry, we need to eat. And when our nerves are frayed, we need to decompress and do less. Stop. Take some breaths. You know, leave it until we've rested. And then pick it up again. And yet, the more that we come from this place of being connected and being embodied and being with what is arising in the present moment, the more we're able to dovetail the responsiveness to the conditions and the spaciousness of just allowing it arise. It's not a small topic. And yet, in some ways, it's just about what's happening right now and how much we're able to let our attention settle into the core to meet it. Not to try and fix it on any external level, but let attention settle into the core. And I love that. Let the, let the space listen. Let the space see. Let the space feel. Let the space respond. It's not so much about me having to figure it all out but being a, a vessel or a vehicle through which responsiveness happens. It's like the same thing with qigong. It's The body is the vehicle through which the breath and awareness is moving. With animals, with partners, with snow, with lunch, with going to the toilet, with putting our clothes on, with taking a shower, with getting a prescription, it's all the same.
1: So rather than my adding anything to that, maybe we can open it up to what thoughts or anything that people want to ask or express and kind of have a little bit of an exchange that way.
2: Those of us who have a conceptual doorway rather than an intuitive doorway or another kind don't quite understand what you mean by letting the space respond. I'm speaking with myself. I need to hear more about that. I mean, there is there's agency, and there's I do get it that when you relate to your own body, it's easier to relate to the world that I heard clearly, and that makes sense to me completely and is borne out by my experience. But that's not all there is. There is decision-making. There is agency. There is will. There is choice. There is things that need to be done and not done. And I, it seems to me a little bit too simple to say, well, okay, we connect with it all and it's all just going to happen because that's not the way my life works anyway. So I'd like to hear more about that.
0: I certainly can relate because I feel the same. You know, I, I don't feel like it all just happens. But what I do notice for myself mm-hmm. is the, the, more that, the more that I get out of the way the more that the, the way that I identify with the problems and the things that are arising and the need to make the decision and the need to make choice and the need to interfere, the way that I, I, as an agency, gets out of the way of that process, the more I experience a flow, that there is a clarity emerges about what needs to happen, which I don't always identify as it's coming from me, like, sometimes I, I get, like, instructions that come from, it feels like the world around me about what needs to happen. So it's not like, it feels like it's coming from my own thinking process. It feels like I'm receiving intuitions or instructions about from other people or from other places or from something. like you know, Just as a, it's like, as a hilariousness, the Yogi tea oracle. You know, there's some of the Yogi tea bags right. that have these little sayings on sure. them. Well, I can't tell you the number of times that the Yogi tea oracle was like spot on the money in terms of the instructions for the tea were absolutely perfect instructions for what I needed to open up to in that moment. So, what I'm trying to convey is is that even though I completely relate to what you're saying, as I have, as I manage, it's not that I had. It's not past tense. It's a present tense experience. As I endeavor to relax in 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 an unfolding, the more I see that answers come through me, that I don't necessarily have to be the originator of them. Okay, and that. It's not that I my brains have turned to mashed potatoes <laughs> and that I don't make choices and that I don't need to act and I don't need to make decisions. You know, it's not it's not like that. It's just that the whole thing doesn't feel like it's entirely located within me. I'm
3: wondering if another way maybe to phrase it, I'm not sure, is what you mean that when we're aware of our habitual patterns of reactivity, if we have that awareness of those patterns and allow spaciousness around that awareness, then maybe there's more opportunity for choice, for responsiveness. That's how I relate to the listening aspect.
0: Certainly that's very true.
1: When we talk about the space doing the seeing and the space doing the hearing, it is in the context of ourselves not being separate from that space. We are that space. So it's not as though the space is doing the hearing and informing us. And then we get the, the download and then we know what's <laughs> going on. We are seeing directly, but we're seeing from a deeper and more open perspective in ourselves. A perspective that is more anchored in that kind of openness and spaciousness. And you know how it is the more stressed we are, the more tight we become. The worse our decisions are. Right. With well, the more the more tight we are, the less we see what our options are. The less we see what's possible. The more we are caught in our habitual. You know, the more stressed we are, the more we fall back into habit patterns and you know our automatic response patterns. And so when we're opening to the space, doing the seeing, the space doing the hearing, it's by no means a releasing of agency it's a deepening so that, that the agency that that though, that which is acting is coming from a deeper place a place of greater clarity a place of greater compassion a great a place of greater humor you know pl- a place of greater understanding and so the space itself has intelligence because we are that space the space is not a void the space has qualities it has our essential qualities. All of our essential qualities, when we're, when we're looking, I think it's a very important question, because when we're looking at that and experiencing um, the space pervading my body, pervading the environment, pervading everything as a whole, that space is not a, um, an empty space. It's empty, but it's full of presence. It, it's It's full of qualities. It's full of essential qualities, essential qualities of warmth, essential qualities of awareness, essential qualities of sensation. So that's really what we're talking at a kind of more, that there's a subtler way when we inhabit that and connect with that, that we still have to make every decision that we have to make. But just as a greater relaxation of mind allows us. To see more choices, yeah. You know, when, when we're more relaxed, I mean, it's incredible. You know, sometimes I'll be thinking about something, and I'm thinking about thinking about thinking about it. We've all had that this experience, and then I walk away. Suddenly, I understand what needs to happen. I couldn't understand when I was trying to drill in, right? But I let the, go of the drill, and the space does the seeing. Right? The open, the, in other words, the openness. The openness allows for the seeing. So what we're doing here is we're cultivating that openness, not just um, waiting, not just waiting for the moments where it might appear. We're creating conditions where that openness might become more embedded, and who we are more um, in a more ongoing fashion. Because we all have those moments. We all have those moments. But it's a it's a question of creating the conditions where those moments become more more suffused with our, our daily experience. So I don't know if that answers, yeah, but, that, but sure. that was a really important question because I think that can be very confusing when we think the space is doing the same, but it points to the way in which we feel separate from that space mm-hmm. and how we do feel that we're here and then there's the... But, but in fact, we are that space. But
2: see, I think there's two parts to the process. One is the drill because we do need to do a little hard thinking about things sometimes. Maybe not really hard is a bad word, but you know what I'm saying, it's like we need to focus and figure things out. And, and sometimes we do get confused, and then we walk away and we're washing dishes, and we get it. And I understand, but I think that that's a result of having done some work first. Because I, I mean, I, I, this is very effortless and wonderful. I mean, you know, I think it's just brilliant. But there, there also is um, some work that needs to be done, right?
1: Yes, but the work that is best done is the work that's done from an open mind, thinking. The best thinking, the best drilling comes with a drill that's held with an open hand. You know, I mean, in other words, it's not about. It's a question of what is the foundation that is supporting. Like, for example, when you set your motivation with compassion at the beginning of your day. You're not that motivation that suffuses your activities. You're going forth and doing different things, but that intention is suffusing your activities. You're still acting, but you have embedded your actions in a depth of perspective that isn't there if you just jump out of bed and jump into things and have no connection to that. So similarly, what are we connecting to, what are we acting out of, who's acting? And when we connect with that, then our actions come out of that deeper place. And to use a metaphor that I think you would be familiar with, everything arises out of that emptiness. The emptiness is the foundation, and then everything that arises is pure. All the action, the energy is pure. The expressions are pure. Without that as a foundational base, whatever arises doesn't have that same degree of openness. So every time you connect with that, then everything that arises out of that has more clarity, more vividness, more intensity in a, in a good way, more aliveness, more alive, thinking clearer, drilling better. <laughs> Drill baby drill. <laughs> but inside. <laughs> so I hope that clarifies. Yes. What's the relationship of been intention to intuition, creating and cultivating intuition?
0: So if we have a pair of cognitive thought and intuition in the Myers Briggs test, we've got these two pairs. You're a cognitive-based term or an intuitive one. So you've got these two choices. A cognitive one is experiences the world through a conceptual framework. And an intuition, for me, is um, a sense of knowing that arises that cannot be located in thought. Now, I'm an intuitive one on the Myers-Briggs test, so I prefer that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I preference that. And so for me, when my intuition is operating well, it's not that my thinking is not happening, it's just that it's not directing the show. So things, I can know things through thought, but it's not the only thing that's directing the show. I can know things in my body. I can know things through feelings. I can know things through just having a sense. And I don't even, can't even locate where I know it from. Okay? So. I guess my way of explaining, well, how does this work in terms of intuition, is is that it clears the space so that one is free to know in whatever way one knows. And, you know, one of the things that I mentioned earlier was is that different people have different accesses. And one of the things that I have been gobsmacked with is I don't think I have ever heard a meditation teacher talk about different access points. Okay? You know, it's assumed that the way that the teacher is teaching is the only access point. <laughs> Your
3: experience
0: is the experience. Yes, you know. So what's good for me is good for everyone. It's typical. But anyway, so we all have different access points. And so what intuition what intuition does is it clears the ground to make however we know more accessible to us. A, a lot
1: of what you taught of the last day sounds like Intuition is a a big piece of it. It's really trusting that inner voice, um, becoming embodied, and being part of that space, seeing that space as part of you, and letting whatever comes, come, that you can trust. Is that accurate?
0: Yes. But you see, what I have learned, I was trained to be a cognitive-based person. That was my conditioning. My actuality is is I'm a feeling-based, intuitive person. Okay. (laughs) And it's taken a lot for me to actually connect with what my natural way is because the conditioning was really strong. You know, that thinking is great and you'll be able to sort everything out with that. And I haven't found that to be the case. You know, it certainly is useful, but my system is happiest... When my thinking supports rather than leads. Yeah? But I can't feel what my body is feeling if I'm thinking too hard. You know, if I'm totally absorbed in thought, I'm not present with what's going on with my body. But my body has huge things to say about what feels right and doesn't right, about directions and decisions and all the rest of that. And it's been a long process to learn how to understand those signals and decipher them.
4: Yes. So, how do the how does the micro connect with the macro? In this, I mean, we have a society and an education system that's driven on that cognitive approach. It's and it's. I'm also an intuitive kind of oriented person, and it looks like a prison to me. And the cognitive, without the intuitive, is dangerous. And I'm wondering, you know, earlier today, I heard that there was something about. You know, we've been brought to this place as a species or a sense, and that, uh, it certainly hit home with me that of living with profound levels of uncertainty or on the night edge. You said <laughs> on the ninth edge of uncertainty, and it seems like that would be a really good place to have some intuitive uh, faculties. So I'm wondering, how does that, how do these macro events that we're living in connect with the micro events of what we're doing in this room and within ourselves?
1: You know Suzuki Roshi, who has, was one of the leading um, one of the leading Zen teachers that that came to the West in the 19 well 60s 70s whatever. He um, made a comment once that I thought was really wonderful, which was, you have to shine a corner of the world. Right? That each of us shines a corner of the world, and what our corner of the world that we're shining is and what our focus is all connects to the whole. And so for some individuals, and this goes back to what Tanah was saying about access points and what we're each called to do and how we're each called to serve in the world, which is very different for each individual and what the particular gifts are that we're bringing to the whole, to the community, to the family, to a particular situation... But whatever it is that we're bringing, if it's coming from a place of greater wholeness, of greater capacity, greater clarity, greater love, greater presence, then everything that we're doing, however it is that it ultimately expresses itself, benefits. Right? And so if, for example, we're called to really work with systems like what you're speaking, like let's say educational systems, having people that are involved in the educational systems that have some greater sense of not just conceptual skills, which of course are necessary. The reason we're not really talking so much about conceptual skills is because we're all aware of, the, of their usefulness. right? But there's a lot of other ways that have to do with how we are, how we exist, how we express, and what we're rooted in in ourselves how connected we are to the truth of who we are because when we're connected to the truth of who we are and what we are we're automatically more deeply connected to the truth of who everybody else is we can see them more clearly we can love them more dearly right so that's how the micro and the macro i'm hoping that one of the things at least on the level of on some foundational level that people perhaps can take away from what we've done here is that the space that pervades me, pervades you, pervades the environment, pervades everything in it, and it's the basis of our unity with all of life. So the more we connect with that, the more we don't have to think about how we're connected, the more we feel and know we are connected. And when we know we're connected, then harming another person becomes really harming ourselves. We wouldn't think to harm another person more than we would think to harm ourselves. We don't have to think ourselves into non-harm. It arises out of an experience of connection. And that experience of connection goes most deeply. It it grows larger at the energy level, at the emotional energy level. It grows wider and larger. But it grows larger still and is unobstructed when we go all the way down. Right, or all the way in, or all the way out, because all the way in and all the way out are really that same thing. One of the images of that in this room right here are the four stained-glass windows and then the altar in the center. Okay, The four stained-glass windows, each of them represent one of the elements. Right? When this room was built, it was built with each window intended to represent one of the elements <coughs> in one of the directions. So we're sitting in the east, where the air is, in the western system, where the air is. And then we look at the south, where the water is, where the fire is. And we go to the west, where the water is. And we go to the north, where the earth is. And then we go here, and all the elements are represented here. That's no different than the outer world and our inner body. Right? That when we connect with our breath, we're connecting with the air that's out in the world. When we're connecting with the heat in our body, we're connecting with the sun. When we connect with the movement in ourselves, you see everything is... So these are things that the inner and the outer come together. But unless we go into a deeper contact with ourselves, it's very difficult for that not not to be conceptual. Very difficult for that not to be an add-on, or a good idea, or something that we think sounds good, or we resonate with, but it stays on the surface of ourselves. So, the way we engage in the world is most deeply reflected in how we're engaging within ourselves, and that's why it's that's why they that's where they merge. So, yes. So
3: that's um, that, that's been my experience. That's, that's been my experience also, and so so this is it, something which which I look at every day in my work. So as you you know, I'm a clinician and I work in the emergency room, Right. and it sometimes no, it's all the time. It's like 12 hours of total chaos every single day I go into work, and so I go into a room where there's somebody who's sitting there who's frightened and anxious and in pain. And there's like, whew, it's just totally fraught. And when I go in, you know, my job is to, you know, just sort of connect with this person and it help them with their suffering. You know, and sometimes it's like, well, it's a zit, or sometimes it's like, well, my organ is failing. You know, or sometimes it's this, whatever it is. So I find that if I go into a patient's room and sit down and take a minute or just a breath to connect internally. To, not not to go out to them, but just to connect internally inside, rather than from out here. Mm-hmm. Connect with my own self. It makes everything shift mm-hmm. in the room. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it works. I just know that if I, I come into come into my own center first, yes. that everything in the room shifts in a, in a good way. Yes. No matter why. It's really weird. Mm-hmm.
0: What I heard in your question, and I... Let me know if I didn't hear correctly, but another component of what I heard is is that we're in a society that is skewed in an opposite direction, and how do we gather the forces to deal with that, you know? Where the institutions and the educational system and the preferences are all about cognitive thought rather than intuition and around the core processes. Did, did I hear correctly?
4: Yes, but my question was still pretty well answered. Okay. Because... The, the, the metaphor that Aura you know, brought in was uh, shining this light she's sitting right now and, and I'm looking and the student takes a photo because she's just you know, gorgeous sitting in this light at <laughs> this time and I'm going okay well that's the what, which came first the sunshine coming in or the inspiration to, to that, that uh, Suzuki Roshi uh, saying and I'm going alright so it's happening <laughs> But I mean, it's still on a day-to-day basis. I mean, this, what's happening in this room is really could be as globally important. That's yes,
1: right. it is globally important. That's right. It's extremely important on a global scale. But that's yeah.
0: But the reason why I mentioned that in that context is is what we had hoped to talk about later. I'm just going to bring it up now Go ahead. because it feels <laughs> like it makes sense. You know, aura is just emerging into a, a new manifestation, and inner sky is part of that. And I've been working with a manifestation over the last couple of years, which is also changing face. Awakening truth is part of that. And I think I can speak for myself, and I think it's some resonance, that both of us are holding open something that allows this way of being with ourselves to begin to take shape and form in the world in terms of how we do what we do, how we relate the kind of groups that we're forming, the the social structure that emerges through that, and the way that impacts some of these bigger questions. Okay? It's not irrelevant, you know, what we're doing and how it's related to all of this. Yeah? And that, you know, and for me what I was talking about earlier, which I think many people feel about this sense of being on the edge or this pressure cooker. There's a, a longing to find a way that is congruent with our deepest understanding and is manifest in our contemporary world, you know, but actually begins to start speaking to the needs of where we're actually at right now and pulling these threads together, like, how does this work in terms of community? or in terms of power dynamics, or in terms of governance, or in terms of taking care of people who don't have a voice, or in terms of the planet. They're not separate. Yeah.
1: So is that all for the moment?